good afternoon, good evening, good night, but most importantly, welcome to another edition of the Kakuturgi Fightcast, which is brought to you by the Kakuturgi Fight Forum, which you could find on the internet at kakuturgi.proboards.com. I'm the Fightcast MC, my name is Darren Falco, and there's plenty of topics we can verbalise about today, but I think it's important to start with a little bit of housekeeping. If you can recall, at the last, if you listened days to the last Fightcast that I did, uh, I provided a small quiz for anybody who wished to do so could enter and have a little bit of fun. Um, I'm pleased, in inverted commas, to reveal that that quiz engendered absolutely zero response, so pleased about that. But just in case anybody out there did attempt to have a go at it and not answer on the requisite channels, I'll just tie up the answers for you. Question number one of what the quiz was going to call the Furious Five. I don't know if I'll bother doing it anymore in the future, to be honest. Answer to question number one, which was, uh, what was the original name for the mixed martial arts group, the Brazilian Top Team? It was originally going to be called the Brazilian Dream Team, which would have meant that there would have been probably two Dream Teams at the time in Brazil, because around about that time, uh, Anderson Silva, who split from Shootbox around about 2004, I think it was, he and another disgruntled former Shootbox member, Aswario Silva, decided to start up the Muay Thai Dream Team, but that lasted all of about six months, I think, before they went their separate ways. And Anderson Silva went on to become a, something of a mixed martial arts legend. Anyway, that's question number one. Question number two was former world heavyweight champion Riddick Bowe was once sponsored by two major sports firms. How about that? A, major, a heavyweight champion in the world being sponsored by major companies. Who'd have thought it? Number two, that was the answer to those were Fila. FILA and Sergio Tashini. Question number three, the 2004 Heavyweight Grand Prix for Pride was scheduled to have a Japanese heavyweight who did not take part eventually. Who was it? It was pro wrestling and MMA superstar Yoshihiro Takeyama. Question number four was the inaugural UFC event in November 1993 was scheduled to have at least one kickboxer who did not take place one two off uh, spots were offered one was offered to a north american one was offered to european who were they uh, the north american was dennis alexio and number and number two the, the uh, european was the great ernesto hoost and finally the fifth and final question was mirko krokop ended up defeating tatsuya mizuno at dream one back in 2008 but who was his scheduled opponent originally meant to be and that was Yoshihiro Kiss Nakao was the man who was scheduled to be in the opposite corner. All kinds of crazy rumours as to why he didn't eventually turn up, to ranging from uh, that some shady, mysterious men did not want that fight to go go ahead. Mysterious men who were at the time in competition with FEG, the parent company of Dream. And there was even one wild story that Nakao was actually kidnapped on his way to the... when he was going to make his way to the press conference. Don't know if that's true or not, but... We do know that Mizuno was a late replacement. Anyway, that's the Furious Five. I would say thanks for having a go, but nobody did. But anyway, that's a, that's enough of that. We're going to move on to the topics of today's particular fight cast. And I think, well, first of all, we'll start off by saying that any Euro- European kickboxing fans, and also those savvy enough to use the internet in its different ways, will be able to watch Eurosports offering for Super Combat this coming Saturday, 1st of October, back in the Romanian home. The main event will be the Sheikh Armin Parashev versus Air Congo. I think he still goes by that nickname. Chris Najimbi. Interesting fight. I think Parashev should have enough should have enough to get the victory there, probably by decision, maybe by KO, but I wouldn't 
bet on that whatsoever. The rest of the cut, I mean, Sebastian Chiobanu is on. Count Dracula, that is. And a, a couple of the other of the, the usual names, with the exception, of course, from the ones who, um, who have split away from Super Combat in the past six to nine months. The Stoica brothers being the main culprits there. We'll be talking about one of the Stoica brothers in a, not too long away, actually, thinking about it. Anyway, we're going to start off recapping. We're going to take a look at this past weekend's Kunlun show, which went down the first day, their debut event at the brand new Kunlun World Combat Sports Centre, which is in Beijing. I had a few pictures online. I had a quick glance at before we uh, went on air. It does seem to be an amazing piece of structural design, looking at it. It seems to have three gyms as well as the arena. It has a rehab centre, which I think is for injuries, not for fighters with substance abuse problems, I hope. Uh-huh. And also, and the most important thing of all, is within spitting distance of the sports centre is... Drumroll, please. A McDonald's. How about that? McDonald's not too far away from the sports centre. But... Saying that, it didn't, i got to say, it didn't feel any different to any other Kunlun event. And uh, one thing I've got to say against Kunlun is that their events, they they seem a bit sterile, in my opinion, that is. And it, uh, many of you might not agree. I know there are a lot of Kunlun fans out there. Whether they're listening to this, I don't know. But this past weekend's events were, again, a bit indicative of that. The main event, Bukau became the very first Kunlun fight Muay Thai golden belt winner uh, with his decision victory over Dylan Salvador. It seems as if both men to me were a bit going through the motions. Uh, especially yeah, that it was also definitely applied to the next contest, which was the one of the quarterfinals in the Kunlun lightweight tournament, which uh, Kunlun always seemed to be in a constant state of tournament, especially when it comes to the lightweights. Uh, this was a rematch of last year's, I think it was semi-final, between Sitachai and Super Bon. Sitachai won by knockout. Many of you have got feelings on the outcome of that particular one and how it went down. This one went all the way to a decision, Superbon getting the decision. And I've got to say, Sitachai especially, not so much Superbon, but Sitachai, he seems as if he couldn't wait for the fight to be over. He seemed absolutely knackered before the fight even started. Uh, I thought of saying that, though, he just about nicked the opening round. Second round, Superbon definitely won. And the third round was more was purely, mostly about Superbon sweeping and dumping Sitachai to the canvas, which I believe Kunlun, under their quite strange, bizarre scoring system, I think that actually scores. Because I remember watching it live at the time and thought Superbon did more, but I'm not sure if that was actually in a scoring sense. But I believe, looking at it since, I believe that is the case. I think those sweeps and dumps and trips were scoring matter for uh, the judges. And um, Superbon getting the decision. Moving on to the semis. Also, Jom Tong Chuatana didn't, or Chuatana, however you want to call it, went through the motions, did whatever he had to do, and got a rather simple victory over Tan Chin of China. I think Jom Tong is now 5 0 in Kunlun. Uh, and big upset. Tong Chai Sitsong Pinong, who's recently signed with Glory. There was a lot of uh, internet buzz about that. Uh, Tong Chai, he picked up a massive upset loss, I think you've got to call it, to Nerla Malali, who is the least Chinese-sounding Chinese fighter probably on Kunlun's books at the moment. Uh, Albert Krauss is creaking and crackling and still insists on wearing those unfashionably long kickboxing shorts, but he got the job done against Ma Shuo. Good to see him getting a victory. He's a legend and one of my favourites of all time. And Kyle Zaniev, who's one of my favourites of the new generation, he got a much-needed victory. He's back on the horse after he's lost to Superbon last time out. Kyle, I call, the, I call him the master of the 500 kicks, because that's what he seems to throw at just about every fight. 
scored a victory of a Kong Ling Feng. So that was this past weekend's Kunlun event. This Saturday, October the 1st, sees another big event for kickboxing in China. It's Glory of Heroes 5 going down on Saturday the 1st of October, which is the National Day for the People's Republic of China. And Kunlun, Kunlun, excuse me, Glory of Heroes are attempting to enter themselves into the Guinness Book of World Records with this event. I'm not quite sure in what category. I thought it would be in attendance of some description, but I'm not sure which one. Um, because the, the event, as far as I can tell, is going down at the, Zeng, the Zhengzhou Olympic Centre in Henan. Uh, they're hoping for a crowd of, I very much doubt it's going to be paid, it must be said, I think there'll be a fair few freebies, of more than 60,000 at this particular event. Looking down at the lineup, which we'll go through in a second, I can't. that's to me isn't a 60,000 event show, but... It's China, and it's totally different there when it comes to sports events, from what I can gather. There's three MMA bouts, which we'll skip straight past. Uh, the kickboxing shows, you're going to be seeing Jin Ying taking on Sergio Wilson. Sergio's back in Glory of Heroes, hoping to tidy up his record a bit after I've lost to Yung Chi at Glory of Heroes 2. Jin Ying and Sergio Wilson going down at 61 kilos. Uh, Israel Adesanya is back out, 85 kilograms. Uh, I think he's 2-1 with an MMA win in Glory of Heroes, but I might be wrong on that. He's got Bogdan Stoiker. I told you we'd mention him later on. That's at 85 kilos. Interesting fight, but I've got to go. The Black Dragon for me all the way is going to get the victory. That's my prediction. Uh, 68 kilos, Lou Jambo takes on Federico Piccini. And then uh, Jishang Adai, a new name on me for the host nation. He's got something of an uphill struggle at 68 kilos as he takes on the man, the myth, the legend, Kem Sitsong Pinong, who's hoping to make it three zip in Glory of Heroes. And then, about this, the flamboyant Zhao Fu Kai has got a 72 kilo bout with a man who I can't believe I'm going to say it, from the Netherlands. His name is, apparently, I hope I'm not being trolled on this one, his name is Brown Pinas, P-I-N-A-S. Um, I don't know a great deal about him, maybe I should. Uh, maybe he's a member of certain clubs or something, I don't know. But yeah, Brian Pinas versus Zhao Fukai. And 60 kilograms, moving on quickly, Kong Long. Uh, I think he's 1-0 in Glory of Heroes. Takes on Tananchai Tanakor Jim. It's a new one for me. Uh, 67 kilos, Luis Passos takes on Glory of Heroes Yang Zhou, who's yet to get a victory, I believe, in Glory of Heroes. Wei Rei. Probably my favourite Glory of Heroes fighter at the moment. 65 kilos takes on Somchai Luamiem. Wei Rai is hoping to make it 5-0 at the moment in Glory. And if it's not the main event, it should be 67 kilograms. The Rolling Tornado, that is Chu Jen Liang, takes on Elias Boulade. And that should be a cracker, shouldn't it, really? I, I've got to go for Chu Jen Liang to get the victory, but it would not surprise me if Elias pulled off the upset. But that's the rundown for the events of Glory of Heroes 5. Like we said, 60,000 event, 60,000 event, doesn't make any sense, 60,000 attendance, hopefully expected. I don't think they're going to get it, but I've been wrong plenty of times before and I'm happy to be so again. I think this will be the first one without, I think his name is Guo Dong, the guy I think he gets paid by the word, the host for Glory of Heroes. It seems if he talks just as long as fights last in between the actual contests, I think that'll be the first time that he's going away. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not complaining too much. Got to be said, he's something of a welcome presence. For me, anyway. Uh, that's Glory of Heroes touched upon. Kunlun, we've looked at that. And so I've just got to mention something from this past weekend's 
uh, K1 event, the 60 kilogram World Grand Prix. I haven't seen it myself yet. I like to watch the whole event in full in its entirety before I pass could comment on it. But it's the events which have happened afterwards which I think are really worth mentioning. And speaking of worth mentioning, I think this following information has come from a very informed source when it comes to Japanese combat sports, and that's the kakutogi.proboards.com member, the member of the forums of Karaya Fan. Good to always read his comments on this sort of thing. He always sheds new light when it comes to Japanese topics. And that was the news that Kensaku, Kensuaku Maeda, who was up until this past weekend the executive producer of K1, and it must be said uh, that the Japanese arm of K1 has been doing some sterling work on uh, filling in the holes and the gaps and the damage, almost irreparable damage, that had been done to the K1 brand since FEG was liquidated at the tail end of 2010, or t- excuse me, 2011. Uh, K1 Global's had a go at filling in the, their own gaps, but didn't really go all to plan for me anyway, I thought. Especially the disaster in Thailand at September 2014. Um, th- ever since then, I believe they've put on a couple of amateur events. Um, We'll be talking more about K1 Global in a second, but, but like I said, first of all, we're going to talk about Ken Suaku Maeda. So he's been doing some good work at the, as the EP of K1 Japan, but that was until this past weekend. It looks like he's been usurped for the manuals, the same sort of position for Crush, and that's Mitsuru Miyata. He is now the executive producer of K1 Japan, which first was said to be due to the potential of conflict of interest. Of course, Maeda is the leader of the Dragon Dojo, which of course houses Takaru, the Urabi brothers, Hideaki Yamazaki, and among others. Uh, yeah, conflict of interest there, so maybe it was seen a, to be a, all above board that Maeda stepped away. But it turns out it may not be that. There may be something of a coup to get Maeda out and Miyata in, which if that's the case is a bit of a shame, because Maeda has been doing some wonderful things. Miyata has come in, and we've since that... News of the change has come around. The Urabis, Hideaki Yamazaki, Takaru, and a whole host of others have jumped from Team Dragon. Now, as it says, as it's speculated at the moment, it could be for several different reasons. One of them could be because they're all going to start up their own um, gym of their own, away from K1 affiliation. The topic of K1 affiliation, gym affiliation, is something for maybe for another time. Maybe for when I've got a guest on the show, if I ever do, that would be quite interesting to chat about that. Um, they could, the other reason could be that they that because the, the, there's a new uh, organisation which is starting up pretty soon in Japan, kickboxing organisation. I hasten to add by the name of Knockout. Maybe there's a rumour that perhaps the whole gym has been poached and will be starring in Knockout shows pretty sh- soon. That's another rumour. Uh, it's all up in the air at the moment. Maybe we can get some definition on this, but all we know for certain is that Maeda has jumped or has been usurped as the leader of K1 Japan. Mitsuru Mayata, the EP of Crush or Crush One, whoever they're called nowadays, has jumped in and taken over, which seems to have res- resolved or re- resolved, which seems to have turned out that many of the uh, Team Dragon members have jumped, jumped ship. Just to short review of that. So hopefully that can all be sorted out. Takaru has tweeted that he will be competing on the upcoming November K1 Japan event, but of course a couple of, there's at least six weeks ago before then, so who knows what might happen. But 
sticking on a K1 tip, we mentioned K1 Global a little while ago. Things have gone ever so quiet from them ever since the debacle in in Thailand two years ago. But they're coming. They like I said, they've held a couple of amateur events, which probably aren't even worth mentioning. Which is just probably just a way of putting on shows without having to pay the talent, which is not very nice all round. But they're coming back on the 27th of October in Belgrade, of all places. Don't knock it. It's for a minus 95 kilogram tournament. It's going to be, by the looks of it, it's going to be the traditional one night eight man deal. So far, we've got six of the eight men announced. Uh, the host now, or the host, Serbia, just looking down who's in the, li- the list of the compete competitors so far. Uh, the first man to be mentioned was Mladen Kudunuzic of Croatia, most famous for blasting out, I think it was Bogdan Stojke. No, it was Andre, wasn't it, I believe. On a pr- pretty rapid order, not so long ago. Uh, he's a, something of a hot and cold p- competitor, is Kudunuzic. And probably the second favourite I would imagine to, to take the tournament out of the six names that have been listed so far. Also named is Thomas Sarara of Poland Emmanuel Payet of France who's like a weird combination of Emmanuel Petit and Dimitri Payet who are two French soccer f- slash football players Radi Opacic of Serbia. Uh, a new name on me totally in Andre Groce or Groce or Grozzi of England. Sorry if I got that name r- wrong which I probably have. And the pick of the bunch so far for me is the member of Mike's gym, Fabio Chico Quasi of Holland. Still two more names to fill out the tournament. And there's also uh, there's an undercard to be filled in also. Bit of negati- negativity online towards this one. It's bringing down the K1 brand and all that. But I don't think it is. The K1 brand has suffered so much damage over the past four years that it's kind of like any event almost is like a, a good event as long as the fighters give their all and are a, they've got a fair amount a fair bit of quality to them as well haven't they I would ima- you have to say that you didn't want to rank amateurs fighting under the under the K1 banner but I don't think that will be the case onwards and upwards I think is the uh, the mantra for 2016 slash 2017 for Ned Courage the uh, top guy at K1 Global I think he still is so we're interested to see how that one's going to uh, turn out, whether it will be a one-night tournament or whether that will be split into two, which seems to be the K1 Global way of things. A couple of years ago, I remember, I think Global was saying that they were going to actually step away from the tournament format, but now here we are going straight back in with it again. But again, it's kickboxing, so I'm not going to complain. Um, the next thing I want to touch on was... That sounded a bit strange was the Ryzen, recent Ryzen event which went down this past weekend. Uh, all sorts of... Th- with Ryzen, if you've seen their first couple of events, will know it's usually a, a hodgepodge of the very pretty good, the rather bad, and the occasional ugly. What I wanted to quickly chat about was the fact that at the beginning, when the heavyweight tournament started, the heavyweight Grand Prix started, they showed a picture of a graphic, which was the tournament bracket, which was which seems to be totally different to how things transpired at the end of the night. Um, the graphic showed that the winner, or we'll, we'll do as from the winner's point of perspectives, that Mirko Krokop, of course, won his contest against Myung Hung Mang, against the uh, the mysterious question mark member, which I, th- I think everybody kind of assumes that they're trying to get Fedor to uh, enter the tournament, which I can't see him face, facing three fights in two nights. Um, so that's the question mark man will face Mirko Krokop. Baruto, who defeated Kazuyuki Fujita, who retired after the tournament, takes on Vadim Nemkov. Uh, 
Simon Bayor, who was the KSW representative, will meant to be facing Yuri Proshaka. And Amir Ali Akbari, who was the AKA Thailand entrant, was scheduled to face Vandalay Silva. But of course, at the end of the tournament, Nobuhiku Takada got into the ring and it definitely seemed to me caught both Vandalay and Mirko Krokop by surprise when he suggested that both both men fight each other in the quarterfinals, put them on the spot. Uh, Mirko's face was a picture when he, when it was translated to him that he was challenged by Takada, would you fight Vandalay Silva? And of course, in that position, what, what does he say? Does he say yes or does he does he have the gall the gall to say no? I bet he did. Bet he didn't. Excuse me. He said yes to that. Vandalay, of course, then having his bluff call, had nothing to say but yes. Didn't seem particularly pleased about that. Um, my theory is I'm going to drop it right now. Is that the winner of that one probably will not f- um, complete the tournament? I'd imagine that the winner of Crocop and Vandalay will either pull out on the 31st because, of course, the quarterfinals are meant to go down on the 29th. They will pull out on the 31st, either before the semi-finals or before the final. I think that'll ha- that's that will happen there. Also, Vandalay, I have no idea how um, Vandalay is going to get up to that. Well, we kind of do, but it's going to be difficult for him to doubt he's going to get up to that kind of weight. He seemed to be a bit, at least 15 pounds lighter than uh, Mirko at the event. And remember, he hasn't fought for a couple of years now, Vandalay. Um, also, something on Vandalay, every time since he's left the UFC, every time he appears on camera, he seems to have aged three years. It's amazing. So that was that's the heavyweight tournament part of things. It, Vandalay versus Krokop, which now of course means that the the mystery man and Amir Aliak Barry have had their potential quarterfinals um totally and utterly thrown around into disarray. But the rest of the t- the card itself, like I said, was a mixture. Uh Arsen, is it Arsen Yamamoto, is it Asen Yamamoto, or is it Ursen Yamamoto? I've heard three different pronunciations or spellings of it. Uh one thing the first thing that hit me is how much, how much uh, Yamamoto Jr. looks facially like Giant Baba, the famous Japanese Puroresu figure. It's astounding, really. Uh, his fight with Kazayamon Saiga was the pick of the night. Saiga has that weird fight style where he has his hands literally down by his hips, but it works for him. Of course, Saiga's wife is something of a celebrity in Japan. I think with Yamamoto, Saiga, maybe even Kron Gracie, who is unbelievable on the ground when it comes to his jiu-jitsu, rather like his father. If you watch his father at the Valley Tudo Japan events in 94, it's as if he was born on a jiu-jitsu mat. It's incredible how, how he flows and how fluid he is, and how he dominated somebody like Hideo Tokoro. I mean, Tokoro has been submitted before, of course, and, dumped and beaten on the ground, but he is, is his bread and butter. And I thought it would be, I was interested in the actual match-up of that one, but it was a washout. Even Kron looked pretty... Um, Handy with his stand, or his fists, his fist, his footwork as well, and his punching. So interesting to see if uh, Ryzen have got him under long-term contract or not, or if he's got a few more dates. Like I said, Kron, Asen, Saiga, uh, Rainer as well. Her fight with Miyu Yamamoto, which was so looked forward to that it was actually got on the cover of Gong magazine in Japan. The, I think it's a weekly or monthly publication. For fight sports, they got on the co- of the cover of that. It was main event, of course. Rainer and Miu. Um, there was a real interest in that. There's some, there's some, there is something for Ryzen to build on, but whether or not they've got the time and the money with which to do it, I'm not sure. Hopefully, they're going to abandon those ideas of um, having a seniors league with like Hoist, Ken Shamrock, Sakuraba, 
all those guys, hopefully that gets cast asunder, that's just going to drag them down rather than just get a, a cheap, quick TV rating, which is, I think, is what the, the whole reason for bringing that on was. Uh, the other thing about Ryzen was the VTR for, that's the pre-fight video for Kazuki Fujita and Boruto, was a lot more entertaining than the fight itself. That's an interesting experiment with Boruto. They said that when they first signed in that he was going to be spending time with Akira Shoji and Peter Arts. I think it was one of those deals where they, rather like when Brock signed with um, FEG, they said that he'd be training with Hoist Gracie and Matt Hughes. I think he he didn't train with Hoist at all, and I think he had like one or two sessions with Matt Hughes before he decided that's not for me. They often do this in Japan just for, for publicity reasons, say that X is training with Y to sharpen him up for this, but it doesn't really have to be the case. Even more so when Baruto's debut was against Peter Arts, of course, who was scheduled to be a stand-up trainer. And it was all put together rather late. But it's just interesting. I'm interested to see what the Baruto experiment, how far it's going to be. Um, if he's now in the quarterfinals, of course, of the Ryzen Heavyweight Grand Prix, who are they going to put him up against next? Um, if it's going to be Amir Ali Akbari or Simon Bayor, I don't see his chances being particularly great. It would just be you get taken down almost immediately and parried whilst on his back. Um, they're continuing to build. With other, they've got the other young professional wrestlers. They had uh, some other professional wrestlers or amateur wrestlers, excuse me, not professional wrestlers. Got that wrong. Amateur wrestlers who are commentating and in attendance. Whether they're going to try and sign those, uh, wouldn't surprise me because I believe that one of their board, Ryzen board members, is the chairman of the Japanese Wrestling Association. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a few more Japanese amateur wrestlers come on board with Ryzen as we go forward. Like we said, n- December the 29th is Ryzen's next event, so that would. So where are we now? 27th September, so that's three months away. So three months to build some interest on that. Hopefully they will do so. Uh, Right, I think that's all topics covered for today's Fightcast. And yeah, that's it. That's everything covered. If you've enjoyed it, please let us know in the the ways to do so, which is on the Kakutogi Fight Forum, which sign up, absolutely free. Gratis it is. Takes less than five minutes of your time. If you... um, do so, please stop by and say hi to all the gang. Be glad to see you. Uh, also, you can find us on SoundCloud, on YouTube. We are Kakatogi Fightcast on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us via RSS, and you can also find us on iTunes. If you haven't enjoyed the Fightcast, please keep it to yourself. But like I said, that's all from me. Uh, and my name is Darren Falco. Thank you very much. If you've listened all the way through, um, and all, like I'm, I always say, keep rolling with life's punches, and always remember keep your gloves up and your chin down until next time thanks to Patrick very much for his uh, wizardry on this one without him this fight cast wouldn't be possible until next time oos